Welcome back to the third episode in the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast, which is coming to you from COECT, the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma. We are committed to providing people living and working with child trauma with proven strategies to achieve the best possible outcomes for families. I'm Serena Gay, your host, and I'll be talking to COECT professionals and other experts who understand your problems because they've experienced them themselves and found a way forward. Today, I'm talking to Glynis Hoff about the reasons behind why your child finds celebrations and festivities difficult. We'll be focusing on a child's internal working model, what it is, how it influences behaviour, especially in a child who has had a traumatic start to life, and about how an internal working model's malfunctioning relates to problems during celebrations of any kind, including festive ones. And we'll be talking about strategies to counter these problems. Glynis is a foster parent with decades of experience. She's a parent of multicultural children and has a profound understanding of the problems that arise in mixed families. She's been involved with the National Association of Therapeutic Parenting, the NATP, since its inception. She's a former social worker and a parent coach. And she's a child and adolescent counsellor, and her motto is to be happy, calm, and enjoy life to the full. Welcome, Glynis, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Serena. It's lovely to be here. Perhaps we can start by talking about your background as a foster carer. How has that prepared you to be the valued advisor you are today? My career as a foster parent started many years ago, approximately 20 years ago. And we ended up with a young man who had very complex, highly complex needs, which we were ill-equipped to deal with because we really didn't have the understanding or the training um, to manage his complex behaviours, um, you know, and we had issues where he just felt he was a really bad child and no matter what we did, he still considered himself a bad child. Now, it took many, many years for me to understand, um, you know, that, that this was the main reason for his um, behaviour, his extreme behaviour, um, because he was in a state of fear all the time. But if we can fast forward then to many years after that, um, when I started reparenting our young girl, she's 13 now, and you know her behaviours were really off the wall compared to any other child we'd had. And we've we've only had seven children in total because we only do uh, long term. And her behaviours were to, to the extreme. And no matter what we did, she just couldn't believe that we would um, love her or want her um, and that, you know, that we really did want her living in our family. She just did not believe that at all. Glynis, can I just ask, when you say her behaviours were off the wall, can you give us an idea what that means exactly? Well, she was extremely violent, uh, very, very violent. Um, she would break things. She would hit me. Um, she would. Uh, she actually took our back door off 
um, which is a solid oak door, took two men to carry in when we were renovating. And she managed to take it off uh, three times. Um, she, um, she, she was very, very violent and she, um, hurt me quite badly. And that was when I realized we really needed much more support and uh, much more, um, knowledge and, and, and learning. And uh, that's where uh, it, uh, therapeutic parenting came in because I started searching uh, and researching as to how I could support this young lady whom we absolutely idolized the ground she walked on and yet she could not see that we you know that we loved her so much she just thought nobody would ever love her because she'd had such a hard time before she came to us we were you know she'd been with many many other families um, and each time it had broken down um, and you know she moved on and some it, it got to the stage that she was deliberately breaking down the uh, the families she was deliberately causing a disruption because she really didn't feel she was worthy of staying anywhere um, so yes that was how I started out this journey um, because I really needed to help her. So I suppose um, this is where we can come in to talk about the internal working model, because this must have had real significance as far as this young lady was concerned, um, because a lot of her behavior was related, I guess, to her malfunctioning internal working model. Can you talk to us about what that actually is? Yes, of course. An internal working model, um, this, uh, your, your internal feelings in uh, your working model actually is um, formed when you are a young baby. And it's when uh, parents are uh, consistently meeting your needs and consistently there for you uh, and, and appropriately looking after you. So you learn very quickly as a baby that actually you are loved and you're wanted and that you're worthy um, and, you know, you are, are held um, in somebody's heart unconditionally and you are just a truly wanted child, a wanted person. And therefore, when you know that about your significant parent, your significant carer, person in your life, you can actually transfer that onto other individuals, other people, such as teachers, um, and pass that on, pass that trust on, and know that you can explore the world and it is a safe place. Whereas a child who has had inconsistent care um, or um, totally and utterly inappropriate care where a parent wasn't there, wasn't available for them, they actually do not know, um, do not feel as if they are worthy at all of anything because nobody has has given them appropriate or consistent um, care that they need. So in a way, there's two aspects to this. It's how you form your expectations of of how your closest relationships will work. But it's also about your personal sense of self-worth. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, as parents, when we start out in life, it's our parents lifting us into our arm, into their arms and saying, oh, it's all right, sweetheart, I've got you. I'm looking after you. Do you need your nappy change? And it's giving that narrative, isn't it, to the child, speaking with them, letting them feel that you really do love them and that you really do want them. The tone of your voice, you're doing eye contact with them. And we call that actually attunement. It's the dance of attunement. It's like a pink pong effect so you're looking at your child and you're smiling and you know your child may coo back at you and giggle and of course you will giggle back with them and so that the whole time there's this uh, reciprocity between you um, your child feels valued and you as a parent feel valued too Sadly, with developmentally traumatized children, they haven't actually had that experience. So they find it very, very difficult to look at somebody, give them direct eye contact and actually believe that that person is there for them because the very people who should have been there for them were were not there for them. So why should they trust anybody else? So, you know, we have to then, um, you know, help them along to develop new neural pathways in their brain so that they can connect their lower brain with their higher brain. Because at at the moment, when they are like this, when they are um, untrusting, they're living in their fear-based brain because they have to in, in order to survive. And that's how serious it is for developmentally traumatized children. They actually really feel it is a case of life or death. And that's so, so sad. How early on does a child develop this internal working model? Well, it starts virtually, really, from conception, um, you know, claiming your child, you know, in your womb. And, you know, like you will see um, um, mothers, expectant mothers, you know, rubbing their, their tummies or talking to their babies or singing to their babies. And then once they're born, you know, talking to them. Uh, looking after them, caring for them, being available for them. And this goes up until the age of three, when a child then understands that you are their unassailable safe base. So if they haven't had that by the age of three, they, they just don't understand the world around them. They view the world as being a very unsafe place, very unsafe place. So we, we've heard from you how your daughter expressed her internal working model malfunction, if you like, in a, in a violent way. But it, what other behaviours do children display? Well, they will. They often will um, appear as if they're quite devious. Um, and in actual fact, they're not. They will tell lies. Again, these are all things in order to keep themselves safe. They will lie through fear. Um, you know, violence is 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 um, one of the common ones, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to. Um, beat you up. It could be uh, aggressive talk to people. Um, It could be uh, come across as defiance, um, refusal to do things. Um, They could also, you know, wet themselves or poo on themselves. Um, 
you will notice that they live in their bedrooms when their mind is chaotic, that their bedrooms can be very chaotic. They're letting you know that actually, you know what, I'm in a bit of trouble here now and I need you to help me. And it takes a long while to understand that as a parent and that that's the message your child is sending you. Hey, look at me. I need you right now. The other thing they do is nonsense chatter where they just talk absolute drivel and um, for hours on end uh, absolute hours on end let's say you know the purple uh, why isn't the sky purple if the sky was purple we'd live in the dark all the time you know it but it would go on and on and on and on um, or singing you know our you know our daughter when she's really distressed she will sing um but it, she sings out of tune and and she has the most beautiful voice anyway, but she just sings slightly off key, really desperately trying to push your buttons to draw you into a row. Um, and that's what our children do, because actually negative attention, negative attachment is better than none at all. And that's what they had to do when they were babies. So when they were babies, they will have cried and cried and cried or shouted or screamed or maybe even headbanged on, the, on their cot in order to get um, somebody to come and look after them. They were attachment seeking. And we do in the therapeutic world like to refer to it as attachment seeking rather than attention seeking. Because, you know, child children are not born um, attention seekers. They're born naturally looking for an attachment. Well, we happen to be, as we're recording, in a kind of festive moment of the year. And I'm wondering how the child's internal working model symptoms display themselves particularly uh, during a celebratory moment is there any different way all their anxieties are are uh, ramped up i mean that's the, the the only word i can think of describing it really ramped up by a hundred times and mainly because they don't believe they are worthy of getting a present so they will um they will come extremely depending on what age they are um younger children you know they 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 still are very very rude but younger children will be more crying and more clingy very very clingy to you but also at the same time pushing you away because they're terrified also becoming too close in case you're going to abandon them and that is a real fear of our children that you're going to abandon them but you know certainly as as my children have got older they you know will become exceedingly rude very 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 rude uh, we have um in the past we had uh, loads and loads and loads of lists list after list after list for every celebration be it christmas be it their birthday be it easter you know the, even the type of easter eggs they wanted but we had loads and loads of lists the, the argus catalogue Pictures cut out and stuck on bits of paper. Last year, um, you know, our daughter produced a um, a present list, and there was, I think, five and a half thousand pounds worth of stuff on it, and all, you know, all really things that it wasn't possible to have. This year, we're going to play it differently. You will get some small items. 
but we are going to choose a fantastic present for you this year and you needn't worry about it. And we've done it with both of the children um, that are still here at home and indeed all the children. Um, and, and we've chosen, we, we've not given them an option um, or, or a choice because the choice was too, too difficult. Now, of course, having done that, uh, our daughter in particular is frightened witless in case you're not going to get a present. Absolutely frightened witless. No matter how many times we say, yes, you are getting a present, the present will, you know, you definitely will be getting a present. She still can't quite believe it. She does know we will give her a present, but she doesn't want to believe it if you understand what I mean. it's She's frightened to believe it, absolutely frightened to believe it in case she's lived, another adult in her life lets her down. And that's that's the real sad part. How long has, has your daughter been with you? Six years. Six years. So the yeah. damage then that was done at a very early stage in her life is still very prevalent. It's still right at the top of her mind. Yeah, very and and that will take many 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 years um but it is a lot less than it was uh you know she she's she's not as frightened or as anxious as she used to be so you know the synapses are developing but it takes many 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 years and many years of repetition of of our children to understand that we are there for as their unassailable safe base i'm sure you've heard other people in the tp world therapeutic parenting world say that we achieve this by uh, repetition so we have um um visual timetables on our walls uh where, you know, the children know they're going to be fed. You know, that's first and foremost, because food is always a huge issue for our children, because many of them were fed inconsistently and indeed inappropriately. So food is a big thing. So for we need to make sure that they know they're going to be fed, they're going to have their breakfast, they're going to have their lunch, and they're going to have their evening meal. But in between those times, they're also going to have their snacks. Um, and it's very, you know, we, we have to stick to the times. If it says eight o'clock on your timetable, that's when you give them their breakfast. You don't give it to them at half past eight. You give it to them at eight because otherwise they're going to, one, believe you're a liar and two, believe that they are not going to be fed because they, they cannot wait. And these repetitions help the children to understand that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. I've said that back to front, actually, haven't I? Is say what you mean and mean what you say. And that's really important to children that they know that. And that's how they develop these neural pathways, which will actually then help them to link cause and effect. And we do that for every little thing throughout their life on the timetable. Some people go as far as having timetables with regards to a, a menu, a menu planner, so that the children know that Monday night they're going to have beans and mash and sausages and Tuesday night they're going to have chops and so on and so forth so that the children know in advance it's no surprise because our children don't like surprises um, and I know I've said about her Christmas present you know that, that she's going to get a, a Christmas present um, and I've told her it's something she wants and I've tried to take the big surprise element out of it um, and in actual fact um, it is un- well that that must be tricky yeah it is very, very tricky. But um, here in the study, it is actually on full view. But for some reason or other, this child normally cl- clocks 
absolutely everything. She notices everything, but she hasn't noticed this. But a little surprise will be all right. A little surprise. Yes, a little surprise. Knowing that she's getting a present will help her no end. And knowing that it is something that she wants and has actually asked for at another time, but has forgotten that she's asked for it, has helped as well. But there are other things she's asked for, um, DVDs and that. And they are on view kind of. I've made some effort to hide them. Uh, they are on view and, and she has spied them. She's not said anything, but she's just grinned, given me a hug and, and walked away. This must make, you know, the whole planning of, of uh, festive occasions really difficult for a family. Um, you know, there, there can be no spontaneity whatsoever involved in it. And I'm just wondering how the actual day, you know, like a Christmas day or a Boxing Day, how that plays out in a household where normally day to day, everything is so carefully planned and known all about in advance. It's very difficult. Um Unusually, uh, my children are up very, very, very early, 364 days of the year. Christmas Day, I have to actually waken them. I think it's because they're afraid of getting out of bed in case there is nothing for them. I never put up decorations until the last minute. Our Christmas tree literally only went up this morning um, because, you know, they they are too wound up by it. Really, you know, it's too hard, you know, you know, we talk about Santa Claus as 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 adults. We talk about Santa. Well, you know, our very intelligent young daughter turned around and said when she was seven years of age, you know, well, why do you want me to see a strange man wearing a red coat? Didn't you know red is dangerous? Why do we have to see somebody who's dangerous? And it's so, so, you know, you have to be one step ahead all the time. And it's, it's, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, you are right. Why doesn't he wear green? You know, it's, you know, why you are right. Red is a dangerous colour. And Christmas time, we have all the senses come to the forefront, don't, don't they? Because you've got the bright lights, uh, uh, the flashing lights of the uh, various Christmas trees and, and decorations. You've got um, smells and, you know, the, the smells around Christmas, you know, mulled wine, um, mince pies, all those, the very distinctive smells. And quite often Christmas was a very hard time for our children before they we joined our families. Very, very, very difficult time for them, where maybe it's where they had the most uh, neglect and abuse that they had in their lives. So it's really, it's a really hard time for them, really hard time for them. So, yeah. And the other thing we need to remember as well, and we've we've had to do it on Christmas Day, you know, yes, everybody likes maybe to have a nice big Christmas dinner, but some of our children can't cope with that. So if, if they want beans on toast, well, give them beans on toast if that's what they're comfortable with. When you say that they can't cope with that, what do you mean exactly? It's a memory. It's the memories it, it is uh, bringing up for our children. You know, to, so it could be that it's too much food. Um, you know, it, it, it could actually be that. Um, and if that's the case, yes, you give them, let the children have what they want. So you clearly have worked out strategies over the years to cope on these sort of fraught days. Are there any other strategies you think that you could share that we haven't talked about? Exercise, 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 exercise. Get your children out for a walk. 
Christmas Day especially is a very good day to go for a walk because there's not many people out. So um, they can they can run free and they can go a bit wild and, you know, uh, you know, breathing in air, you know, breathing helps children regulate, you know, helps them to calm their brains. Um, and as parents, you, you can always bring a flask with you and have a cup of, um, on your walk and bring, you know, some snacks for your children. They'll just think it's wonderful, you know, a bit of a bit of a picnic on on Christmas Day, you know, get out on those new bikes or scooters. Just exercise is really, really, really good, and of course it has benefits for us too as parents, doesn't it? You know, you get you get out in the fresh air anyway, you know, because mm, Christmas Day can be a long day. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, there's nothing like burning off a bit of energy to, uh, to, 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 to manage your way through it. So now earlier on, you touched on the fact that a damaged internal working model needn't remain completely damaged for life. What is the outlook for such children as they go into adulthood? With therapeutic parenting, there is every, every, every hope that every chance that our children will uh, come out the other side. They're always still going to be uh, anxious children uh, or anxious people. And so they're, they're always going to be have little triggers. But as each year goes by, those triggers are not going to be quite so dramatic for them traumatic you know they're going to learn how to deal with them because the brain is actually plastic isn't it we know now that the the brain keeps developing into old age which is probably lucky for me <laughs> but it keeps developing into old age so we we develop new neural pathways in our brain and we are able to learn and that's how our children are you know they are learning they then can connect their lower brain with their higher brain. And once their higher brain is, is has kicked in, they can actually engage in rational thinking. They can recognize the effect of something by what action they've taken. Uh, and they learn to develop empathy and uh, self-empathy as well, you know, because our children don't have self-empathy uh, because they don't care about themselves because nobody else has cared about them. Well, you know, that's a note to finish on, isn't it? There is a positive future for people. And, uh, you know, as long as they get kind care from people like you, Glynis, then, you know, there is something to look forward to. So thank you. I'm, I'm sure so much of what you said will be useful to people worried about coping with traumatised children, especially during celebrations and festivities. So to find out more about COECT and to access help, please visit www.coect.co.uk or head straight for the Facebook page where you can get answers 24-7 even on Christmas Day. The link for that is in the show notes to this podcast episode, which you'll find listed where you found this podcast. That's where you'll also find the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast every week. We'd love you to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help other people find us and find all our helpful advice. Bye for now.